Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 209. In this episode, we discuss email features, trends, and personalization, along with the importance of testing quickly. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your sales and marketing and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well and back for another week. I think some fascinating insights into news coming up in our growth thought of the week and particularly how they relate to email. And then, of course, we'll dive into improvements in HubSpot email and also some gotchas and tips and tricks. Fantastic. So, the growth thought of the week, Craig, trust in news sources. This was a report that Reuters have put out. It's quite a comprehensive report and it's covering digital news consumption in particular during this coronavirus crisis. One of the things that it highlighted is is there's a growing trust in reputable news organizations, and that's along with a growing distrust in other channels, including social media, messaging, and YouTube. We've got a screenshot from the report there, and you can see that news organizations, number four in terms of the trust factor, scientists and doctors are number one, global health organizations number three, Social media, Facebook and Twitter right down the bottom. Why would we be highlighting this at the moment? Well, a few things that come out of this, some interesting behaviors. Paid news subscriptions have grown. So this is people paying for news. However, it's very skewed just towards the reputable brands. New York Times, Washington Post in particular have been two that have worked well. In Australia, we have the ABC News, which is the most trustworthy by far of media brands. Worth mentioning to our American listeners, the the ABC in Australia is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. A lot different to the ABC in America, so they're totally different. The thing that's come out of this and what's led us to putting this in the growth thought of the week, these reputable news organizations and publications have ramped up their use of email newsletters. And what this report is highlighting is that people are consuming news from reputable brands and that's affecting their behaviors in terms of email consumption. So later on in shot six or seven in our Insight of the Week, we're going to talk about the types of newsletters that are working and which ones you should be focusing on. So that's coming up after we actually talk about some of the email features that uh, have been coming out in HubSpot. Now, Craig, I wanted to highlight in this was that scientists and doctors by far have the most trust and even national health organizations, which is really interesting given what we've, we're going through and what we have been through. So that's a really interesting statistic. So there's a little insight into if you're in the medical professional, now's probably a good time for you to start doing something around maybe communicating with people that your audience, essentially. And we'll cover that later in the show, the type of content you should be actually talking about in your newsletters. The consumption behavior is very clearly talking about educational content. And we'll talk about the types of content that you use in email newsletters. And now we're going to talk about the marketing feature of the week and we're going to highlight the drag and drop email editor improvements. I saw this nice little thing pop up where it was talking about you can now save existing emails as a template. Nice little feature. 
And why I thought we'd mention this is because we've actually had clients asking for this. I think they get used to it in MailChimp and other tools. And they're like, oh, okay, so I've created this drag and drop email. How do I save it as a template? Where's the save email as a template? And I've been like, yeah, it doesn't have it. In fact, what we've advised to date is just be like, create it and just name it. Use a naming convention and you actually name the email template. We've actually had clients do that. Well, now... Thankfully, you no longer have to do that because we've got this new little feature called Save Email as Template. We've got a screenshot and there's a nice knowledge base article as well. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Shane. You know who you are, Shane, because you've been hanging out for this. It's now there. All right, Craig, and now leading on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is about adding personalization and email signatures to emails. And we do this quite regularly on behalf of sales teams is sending out say a product updates, product information that go directly from the salesperson that those people have the relationship with. So I'm going to highlight to you three key things that we do. And the first one is making it feel like a one-on-one email. So including that person's signature in the email. The first thing you need to make sure you do, which not a lot of people do do when they set their account up, is to go to profile and preferences and set up your email signature. That's the first thing. Once you've done that, you will then be able to select a personalization token when you create the email. And it's not readily apparent because you might be looking for something to do with signature. But really what you need to do is for the signature to appear, you've got to choose the contact token as the contact owner. When you do that, you'll get shown different options and then you use the user property, which is signature. Now in there, there are other options as well. So example, a common one is that people might include the meetings link. So that's another way to put this into the email that's going out if you want them to book a meeting. The third one is in the email settings, the from name and the from address can be personalization tokens from the contact owner. So in the screenshot, you will see it says owner.fullname and owner.email, and that will pull who the owner is from HubSpot. And if you get these three things right, you will have great success with your emails that go out on behalf of the sales people in your business. And a bonus here, if you are using a professional enterprise, you can actually add smart rules to your subject lines. And so in this notes, you'll see a screenshot of a default subject line and then a subject line specifically for customers that are in that lifecycle stage. There you have it. They're really good tips and good features and not often used. For example, that smart rules for changing subject lines. I was looking at that and I was going, oh, wow, this is fantastic. And you said to me, oh, it's been there for ages. I hadn't even realized. So I don't think I've ever used it. I've used personalization in email subject lines, but I hadn't used actually smart rules in the subject line. So an excellent tip there. All right, Craig, on to Hasbro Gotcha of the Week. And this is also to do with email. And something that you were showing me in one of your client portals is the sudden increase of soft bounces when sending email. Yes, this kind of caught us by surprise. Uh, this is a long-time client. We've been sending emails, their newsletters for, well, years. And all of a sudden in May, it's just the last two months, May and June, suddenly getting an extraordinary high number of bounces. And these are soft bounces. Got a screenshot from a recent send and 33% of the contacts bounced. 
And then if we drill, we started drilling into them going, what's going on? And you can see, we've, again, we've got a screenshot and there's this DMARC error, D-M-A-R-C error, that is to do with authorization on the email, so email authentication not being met and then for the email getting bounced by the recipient's uh, email server. So this has just started happening. We're not exactly sure why and we are investigating this with, with HubSpot support and our customers' IT team. So far, it doesn't seem as though they had made any changes. It's not like they used, you know, switched email servers or anything like that that might have affected their domains. What we've done is we've actually gone through and we're restarting the whole email sending domain authentication piece with DNS settings, so removing them, resetting them to see if that fixes it. But just a very strange thing. Now, um, Googling, it doesn't look like a lot of people have had this issue. So I don't think it's a HubSpot issue, but I think it's just to do with the amount of email going around at the moment. I don't know if it's related. In fact, I'm sure it's not related, but did you see recently that Gmail's spam filters had a whole outage the other day and there was all this spam, there was all this kind of thing. And then we've seen all these massive, almost like email denial of service attacks going on just in the last couple of weeks. So maybe a whole lot of email recipient Exchanges are clamping down. It's getting tougher. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But the point of this is, listeners, please go and check all those. Checking the bounce rate isn't something that you think to do normally. You look at things like open rate and you go, oh, yeah. But if you're not checking actually how many successful deliveries there are, you might you might easily miss this. So just a reminder to go through and check those out. And we're actually going through all our customer portals. And now this has become one of our normal processes Every email that gets sent out, a typical process now, we now go and check the bounces just because we've got lax on it. We've had effortless and really good delivery for so long. We're just like, oh, yeah, just seem normal. So just a reminder that things change. And listeners, just make sure that soft bounces are generally something like what Craig was talking about is rules changing and authorization changing. Another thing could be someone's mailbox is full. So if you're delivering, especially to somebody that has a Hotmail, Gmail, or even they've got a limit on their work email inbox, if it's full, it'll bounce. So that's the other thing. Here's a tip for hard bounces. You can go and easily create a list from those people that have hard bounced and understand why they've hard bounced. And what we tend to do is from that list, we will create individual contact views for people in, that own that contact in sales to actually follow them up and find out generally people have moved on and that email is no longer valid, but it actually gives us the opportunity to update the contact or in certain government departments or councils that in Australia, they'll have a policy where they'll say uh, automatic response will go back and say this person is no longer here and this is the contact of the new person so this is a really good way to keep your contact database clean and up to date all right craig our marketing tip of the week yes this is about test and measure but test and measure quickly and you were telling me before we started recording this interesting story about one of your clients how they put off going live with something because they wanted to make it perfect basically but what they should have done is just quickly tested it and you've got two examples. Talk us through them. The first one especially was a fascinating example of opportunity. Correct. Now, here's one. Our customer had an opportunity to actually sell one of their products online. And when everything started recently, we said, okay, well, we can quickly set up a shop in Shopify and you've only got like a hand, literally a handful of products that you will sell. 
we can get that set up. We can then embed it on your HubSpot site and you can get someone to complete the transaction. Shopify surprisingly has a really good way of doing what they call a simple buy button. So setting up the shop, putting the products in and then embedding some code on a page and everything will take place using the Shopify backend and gives a pretty seamless experience if you want to do things really quickly. So that's essentially what we set up. They then said, oh, I want to see how this looks like in this view, in that view. And so I embedded a few different products in different views on different pages. And I said, I'll have a look at this, test it out yourselves and figure out Will this be sufficient to go with? Anyway, then we started the whole conversation of, oh, we need to do this. We need to find these pictures. We need the shipping policy. Uh, what happens when returns happen? And now now we're overthinking the, the whole process, right? So now weeks have gone by. Things have happened. I've, I've taken down some of them. One of them I happened to leave up accidentally. And what happened last week was someone got a notification that they tried to check out. And they've now ended up as a contact in the database. And they essentially go, we got never got notified about this. And this is what triggered the whole conversation. So they found, they tracked it back and they go, oh. And then they looked. When you connect Shopify and HubSpot, you'll automatically get an e-commerce pipeline that gets created and the stages that a sale would go through. They discovered in the abandoned checkout in the time since we've had this, there's been $4,000 worth of sales that have been abandoned, right? Some of them are from testing, but a lot of them are not because if you look at the timeline of when things are happening. So first it was like, can you please make sure this product is off? And the next the next email, two minutes later, was like, hang on, we need to get this going really quickly because we're missing out on sales. What I'm encouraging people to is even before you even set up Shopify, you could have actually set up a simple call to action to say, buy this online and just measure the number of people that click that as a first indicator to then implement a shop. So that was the first example. Actually, can I make a few comments on that? Because I, I really want to ram this idea home from people because the problem here is they wanted to get it perfect and because that took time, they kept putting it off and it's taking months and, oh, no, we'll put that on the back burner because, you know, we've got to get it all right. And so they've wasted all of this time. And fortunately, they got this notification and now they're quickly, oh, get it in place because they have effectively tested it now and confirmed there's demand. And I'm guessing it'll take, what, a couple of days to get this in in, in place and working, all those things. So they've taken months of stuffing around because they wanted to get it right. And what you're saying is they should have just tested it. They could have tested it months ago, put a button. Oh, yeah, there is demand. Great. And then spent a few days getting it all in, in line. But instead, they've wasted months and now they'll, there is demand. So your point is action beats perfection. Test those ideas quickly. Because on the other hand, say that no one clicked any of those buttons. Well, okay, there isn't demand. So don't even waste your time setting up Shopify. But your second example is actually an example of that latter case, isn't it, where they shouldn't do something. Correct. And this is another customer of ours that uh, had somebody on their sales team that is a fluent Chinese speaker. And he thought, oh, there's a there's a market here to sell to Chinese people. They've gone through the whole process, setting up, a, a, translated a whole page into Chinese about who the business is. They have then created contact forms. We've done a whole lot of work around making sure the menus are correct, that the contact in Chinese is correct. We've got the follow-ups. Anyway, we did all of that stuff. And then I was about to say, hang on, do we know this is going to work? Four to six weeks down the track, we have discovered that there has been a zero inquiry from people using this Chinese page. So I would then say is that I could have solved this problem by putting 
maybe putting a another CTA in Chinese to figure out do Chinese people actually want to a use their product and b inquire in this manner without having to actually do the whole process of all the translation and spending all that time doing it another example of saving yourself heartache all right craig inside of the week email behavior trends all right so we flagged this at the start of the show and this comes from the reuters report that we were talking about and the fact that news organizations are accelerating their use of email newsletters. And you would know if you're a subscriber to any of these, I'm a subscriber to the Washington Post, for example, you can go in and get choose to get newsletters daily, weekly, all kinds of things. That's been really worth, worth it for those brands. But here's the thing. We often talk about content being one of three types. It can be educational, you know, that's utility. It can be entertaining, so it's more of a leisure piece. And then it's promotional. You know, there's a sales aspect. And so whether it's content, whether that's email, whether it's site content, blog pages, even videos you do, all those kind of things. It's normally one of those three. And if you're particularly talented, you can weave all three into an email. And so you've probably experienced this. You have an email that is very informative, gives you information. You feel that's valuable. There's a bit of humor and say some entertainment as well. And then there's a call to action to maybe buy something. When it's done well, it can be very effective. However, based on the current crisis we've been through, and this is what the Reuters study is showing, the push to educational content news content, high value news content has increased because everyone's 24-7 just looking for more news on COVID. It's affecting behaviors, that's seeping into behaviors with other topics. And this is business emails, products that you, people want trusted educational content, so information. So what we're talking with our clients and perhaps listeners, this will apply to you. Your mileage may vary depending on your industry and of course, a whole bunch of other factors. But if you've got an email newsletter, and perhaps in the past, you used to just have a curation piece, you'd slap together a few links and not really put high value. That's not going to get the cut through because while newsletters with educational content have increased, that's been at the expense of the what we'll call the lazier newsletters. So we're really looking to make this high value. And here's the way to test. If you're talking about a product, say, for example, us, if we were talking about HubSpot, if I was to send out a newsletter that just regurgitated news links that you could get from the product blog or something like that, it's probably not going to be high value. But if we put our own spin on it and add our own insights to it, so it's still high value and is informative, has our voice, the real test is, could they get that content anywhere else? If they could, then yours isn't unique. So think about that, particularly around educational content and how you can provide higher value, especially during these times, to your audience. Now, Craig, one of the email news that we love that probably encompasses all of this is Morning Brew. And I think listeners, you would have heard us talk about this a lot of times. Morning Brew and Marketing Brew. Do you get the Marketing Brew? I do. And I even get the Retail Brew. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't know there was a Retail Brew. I'll have to check that yeah. one out. That's a really good one. I actually enjoy listening, uh, reading that. That's not as frequent, but a good read nonetheless. You know what we should do next time? I, I, I think remember a couple of years ago, we talked about the newsletters that we did subscribe to. We should put that list up again because there's a few I do. I subscribe to and, and pay for There's actually paid newsletters. I, I'm actually very happy to pay for good quality content. I just don't have time for all the, the noise that 
people have to insert in order to sustain, I guess, the, the time that they do. So I should have a few, but yeah, SEO, marketing ones, I, I happily pay because they give me value and they save me time. All right, Craig, we have our resource of the week. And now this is probably really interesting to people that are doing paid advertising and an insightful post from Conversion Excel, who again, we speak about quite a lot. And is, is click fraud devouring your ad budget? So covering ways that click fraud can be impacting your paid ad spend. And it's worth checking out and be mindful that this may be happening in your industry and also be understanding that Google is very good at identifying fraudulent clicks. I think this is right. It's a really good article. It opened my eyes and then I went looking for tools. And of course, there's so many tools on the market these days that will help you avoid click fraud and they all work differently. And so it was quite a quite insightful uh, for me to find out how they do all these things. But yeah, then we're um, chatting on some of the um, members groups I'm on and some of the experts in Google Ads and, and former Google Ads engineers. And they say fraudulent clicks is one of the things they spend a lot of time trying to crack down on. And we've had this in some accounts where we look in, because there's an, actually a column that Google Ads will show you where they, what do they call it? I don't think it's called fraudulent clicks, but it's like refunded clicks or something like that. Correct. You actually see a refund on your bill yeah. based on that. Where they highlight all the clicks that they found that were fraudulent and they, yeah, they don't charge you for them. So that's good. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig. It's a great find from J.D. Sherman. Yeah, Brian Halligan tweeted this, and here's the quote. Great leaders absorb uncertainty and pass down clarity. How good is that? That's, that is leadership right there. Absorb uncertainty and pass down clarity. Thanks, J.D. All right, we've got a few uh, bonus links in the show, so we encourage you to check it out. One is about industry deep dive, and it's a HubSpot report, and the other one is from a site called Really Good UX about user onboarding. Listeners, again, thank you for listening. Please connect with us on LinkedIn and leave a note saying you listened to this show and connect with us on the socials. And we now, you can subscribe and have this delivered to your inbox every week. So go to hubshots.com and subscribe and you'll be notified every time an episode goes live. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.